This is your captain speaking. Welcome aboard DJ's Aviation Podcast. This is your home for everything aviation. From the latest news on aircraft, airlines, and airports, to documenting travel journeys unlike any other across the globe. Be sure to check out our second YouTube channel, Globetrotting at DJ's Aviation, where you'll find analytically driven coverage of the industry, which aims to answer your most burning questions. But for now, we're next in line for takeoff. So I'll pass you over to our host for today's proceedings, Dan. Welcome back to the DJ's Aviation Podcast. Of course, one day late. I normally try and publish episodes of the podcast on the weekend. I am aware that podcasts can be consumed at any point of the week and any point of the day, but I like to have some consistency around the releases, having them normally each weekend. Um, Unfortunately, that wasn't possible this weekend. I'll dive into why. Just pretty much computer errors left, right, and center, and a lot going wrong with the upcoming website. That meant a lot of my time was spent trying to troubleshoot issues that I didn't necessarily have the fix for. That's right, if you're unaware uh, and haven't been listening to previous podcasts or, say, keeping up to date over on Twitter, I have a website that is in pretty much final development stages, and I have the website currently. I have inputted a lot of content onto it. However, I'm I'm having some severe technical issues regarding discoverability um, over on Google and such, and it's definitely proving a trying experience. Obviously, I just want the website out properly and uh, accessible, but it doesn't seem to be totally the case. Uh, On top of that, like I mentioned, I had a uh, computer update that corrupted the audio software, so recording yesterday just wasn't entirely possible. But we're here now for the Boeing 757 from San Francisco to uh, Newark, pardon me, with United Airlines. This is my first Boeing 757 flight, and I'm very excited to give you the rundown of the experience. But before I begin, a brief mention, this podcast is uh, accessible on any of your audio streaming platforms, whether that's TuneIn Radio, Apple, Spotify, Google, and a host of other ones. So just be sure to go to your podcast platform of choosing, type the podcast name, and you should be able to find it. A massive thank you also goes out to all the people that have been reviewing the podcast over either on Apple or on Spotify. If you would like to do so, jump on Spotify on either your iPhone or your tablet, and uh, you should be able to search for the podcast and give us a one to five star review. Any support is greatly appreciated in helping make the podcast more uh, discoverable for more audiences. You cannot do written reviews over on Spotify, but you can do so on Apple. So if you'd like to include a message uh, like two people did in the past week, you can. I will read it out and give you a shout out. So the first one is from TVDS uh, from the Netherlands who gave the podcast a five-star rating. Firstly, thanks very much for that. He said, just a quick edit to my old comment that was slightly random. Super nice podcast. Me and many others do enjoy it. I really appreciate the kind words there. And it's great to see that so many of you keep coming back and listening to new episodes. Onwards to OJT123 of Australia. Uh, Another five-star review. I listen to this podcast on my way to and from school or anytime I am bored, and it is great. The two reports slash flight reviews are really always good and interesting, uh, as I can get a sense for what different airlines are like. Uh, Keep up the amazing work. Thank you very much, OJT. You'll be pleased to know that obviously today's episode, we're once again diving back into the flight review and travel world, continuing on from a journey that originated in Melbourne 
Auckland to San Francisco on board a United 787. I should say that if you haven't listened to that episode yet, definitely take the time now to go back and listen to that and then come to this episode as the review or the the journey is broken up into different episodes and there'll be more after this one, don't you worry. Uh, we're approaching, well, we are actually in the festive season. It's it's quite scary taking a look at how quickly the year has passed. It feels like yesterday I was discussing the journey to uh, California for Northern Pacific. That was now 12 months ago. I do plan on doing a year in review, taking a look at what 2022 was for me as a year and for DJ's aviation. So you can expect that sometime soon. As for future releases, uh, future releases, pardon me, of this podcast, you may see a little bit of a, a break, uh, especially in this journey to Canada. I say that as in the past couple of days, I've had three interviews that I do want to publish and release as podcasts themselves. Uh, and given them being exclusives in a way, I would like to try get them out as soon as possible, but also not published every single day. So with that being said, there may be a bit of a momentary pause in live podcast recording as I, I don't know the exact word for it, but uh, I'm, I'm speaking to you now as a podcast, whereas an interview is is a little bit different uh, given I'm, I'm running it and it's more for uh, other social platforms as well. So that's just a little bit of a rundown on what's going on. I would expect that I will continue to record episodes up until the new year. It's just they may uh, release later down the line uh, to make room for the interviews that are uh, coming. In regarding my show notes, I'm just trying to think of anything else that I may not have covered uh, early next year. Promises to be quite an exciting uh, period in terms of adventures, so definitely keep your eyes peeled. Uh, the travel content definitely isn't slowing down, thankfully, and uh, I'm very much excited to release more in the future. Now, where I left you off in the previous episode, I believe, was touching down into the sunny San Francisco with an arrival time of around about 8.30 in the morning, I would like to say. Uh, don't quote me on the exact arrival time. All I can uh, wholeheartedly tell you is it was a delayed arrival into the airport. The delays did not stem from uh, necessary, uh, necessarily, pardon me, a fault of our departure from Melbourne. The inbound aircraft into Melbourne was delayed, which means automatically our aircraft uh, was delayed out of Melbourne. Uh, there just wasn't enough time. And uh, we did try and make up some time in the air, but by the time you have a holding pattern, by the time you get to a gate, you do arrive delayed anyway. And that's something uh, you'll notice in upcoming episodes as well. And even in this episode, uh, staff shortages are definitely being felt at airports around the world. That is a massive crisis for the aviation industry, and they're looking at ways to try and adapt uh, to the current circumstances and the constraints that they're facing. The reality is, though, especially during Thanksgiving weekend, or week, pardon me, which is a very, very busy week for air travel, there's simply not enough employees, and you will, in turn, see delays uh, arriving at the gate which normally is fine, but I did have a connection onwards to Newark, so the pressure was definitely uh, definitely there. Now, uh, my journey started, as I mentioned, off in Melbourne. I was continuing on to Newark before heading up to Canada, so that's a bit of a, a backstory. By arriving into San Francisco on an international flight and connecting onto a domestic, it does mean I need to go through uh, border control, need to collect my checked luggage and recheck it into the domestic area before making a terminal change, going back through security and finding my gate. This is something I've done before in a host of airports, whether it be New Newark, uh, Vancouver, 
I'm trying to think of the other locations. You'll eventually hear me do this through Toronto. Normally quite smooth processes. Again, given this being Thanksgiving week, San Francisco was quite busy. A lot of international services had also congregated in the terminal at the same time, which meant that the border force line was very long. I did not have a long time in San Francisco. By the time I had uh, officially touched down into the airport, or should I say city generally, uh, it was about 20 minutes until my flight to New York started boarding. So I was hoping to clear passport control pretty quickly. Um, Unfortunately, the reality would be that it would not be as quick as I maybe had hoped. Um, I was sat two rows from the back of the plane. So naturally, the deboarding process is already quite long. Uh, While cabin crew can make the announcement saying, look, if you have a connection, we want to let these people off first. Rarely does anyone ever listen to that. You can't blame them. It would be good. Uh, if people would let those with connections go first. But look, that's just not how it works. And I think that's never something that can be implemented in in, in the right manner. Getting off of the aircraft presented me with uh, quite the shock to see that the passport control line consisted of about 250 people. Uh, I was optimistic that that line would pass quite quickly. Uh, I could not be more wrong. It was a very, very long queue, and a lot of people in that queue also had connections, uh, some definitely not as favorable wait times or layover times as me, and they definitely missed their flights, which I feel very sorry for them. It can be hard scheduling multi-leg journeys and having enough layover time for each destination um, paired with delays. It can be very, very tricky, and you're trying to find that optimal schedule, and sometimes finding that optimal schedule is absolutely um, impossible. So, yeah, quite a long queue, and uh, definitely I would say the stress was starting to kick in. I kept checking the uh, United app to take a look at what was going on with my flight to Newark, and of course, the inbound 757 had arrived early, uh, therefore boarding was scheduled to begin earlier than actually expected, so everything that could go wrong in me trying to make this flight seemingly was, and trust me, it kept getting... uh, there There were moments where we had good times, but... It uh, definitely was a chaotic experience. The line was just not really moving. I think in the space of 25 minutes, I moved about 10 meters. Now, this was the exact same problem I had with um, check-in at Melbourne Airport, which was just insane. Um, It is to be expected, obviously, in the United States with the travel period. It doesn't make it any more um, frustrating and, and less stressful. Uh, I think I mentioned, I've mentioned to a couple people that it, it may be a great idea to work out a way to split those having their, having San Francisco as their end destination um, with those that have onward connections, because the problem is you do have people that have tight connections going through the same line um, as those that this is their end destination. I'm not saying that those with connections are necessarily more important, but on uh, from a standpoint of an airport, connectivity, uh, delays, missed flights, luggage and so forth, and the implications, you would think that maybe having a separate line for connections, uh, it doesn't have to speed up the process all that much, but any slight improvement can be the difference between someone missing their flight and, and making their flight. So, uh, definitely something interesting I noticed. They obviously have the the separate lines for those with a US uh, visa or those from Canada and I think I believe like Mexico and parts of South America. Uh, I'm not from there though, so unfortunately I did have to uh, take the line with 300 or so people from a host of destinations. 
Uh, the line was, yes, very, very long. Um, and the plane had definitely started boarding by the time I was in the queue for passport control. What I would say, though, is it was probably the nicest experience with a government or... Uh, I don't know the word. I don't know the position they actually hold. But let's just say the man that was at the passport control for entry into the United States. Probably the nicest and most seamless experience I've had. Um, I've had the pleasure of traveling through the US many times in recent history. And not all of them have probably been the best experience. And I think a lot of people can reiterate. But this one was very, very nice. Um, so I was grateful for that because it ended up speeding up the process very, very, very much. Um, so by the time I got through there, I had to head to baggage claim, which is just thankfully right across the doors from passport control. Uh, and also luckily my flight was seeing the baggage arrive right next to passport control. And again, a, another lucky moment was that my bag was coming right around as I, uh, had was walking down the ramp from passport control, meaning it was just very easy to collect it. Now, that bag had probably been going around for an hour at this point, so it was one of the few remaining, given I was one of the last ones off of the the flight. From that point forward, it was a bit of a, a run through to the domestic crossover point, so I have to bring my international... Oh, pardon me, I have to bring my checked baggage from the international bag drop through to a separate counter where you drop your domestic baggage. Uh, and from there, I then need to find the security point for these domestic gates. I believe I was departing out of gate F. Do not quote me on that because I honestly cannot remember now uh, what I would actually... You know what? While we're here, what I'll do is, is I will have a look at my Apple wallet, which should have my uh, boarding passes unless... Uh, view expired passes. Let's have a look. See if, if I can find my expired... Here we go. If I can find my expired passes, I can tell you where the gate was. Okay, yeah, I was right. Gate F22 uh, F22 from San Francisco, um, and I was seat 24F, part of group 3 for boarding. So if you have a look at a map uh, at San Francisco, gate F22 is the furthest gate away from where you have your uh, security screening point, which naturally um, presents challenges. Uh, However... There were two different security screening points. The security point for Gates F were not in operation. So that means I had to walk another five minutes um, past all the checking counters to a security point not even for my gates. Um, I don't know what had happened. I don't know if it was a lack of staff or the systems were just down, but definitely was not ideal uh, because... That was the security point that I was meant to go through. Uh, It just meant everyone was congregating in the one spot. Um, And at that point, my flight was closing. So by the time I'd reached the initial line to go through security, my flight was closing. Um, I didn't think my bag would make it. I was almost 99.9% certain that the bag would not make it on this flight to Newark. I say that because when I dropped the bag at the domestic collection drop-off point they said it would take they had massive signs that basically said 45 minutes until uh, you need a 45 minute window to get the plant the the the, you need a 45 minute window pardon me to get the bag through to the plane and obviously my flight was closing so i didn't have exactly um that much hope that it would make it but that's fine um i was hopeful that it'd get put on the next flight i was wrong about that and ended up getting put on the last flight of the day because spoilers the bag did not make it on uh the aircraft again not really a shock on on my end but uh you'll hear about the bag scenario because it does get quite a lot worse in the next episode of this travel journey 
Let's head back to security, though. The lines were very, very long. But also, I would argue that the security screening points, at least for this part of San Francisco, were a very small. It's a very compact security screening area, which means you're actually very, very crammed. Um, and with the long queues, a lot of people were just confused on where to go. Uh, you were being put in the wrong lines. One line was too long. One line was too short. Um, I feel sorry for the employees that are no doubt understaffed and having to deal with tens of thousands of people uh, on a daily basis. And, and crowd control can necessar- uh, can definitely provide uh, difficulties. Nevertheless, I think that they did the best job they possibly could. Um, internally, though, I was very, very stressed. Uh, given the fact I had uh, booked a hotel for the first time ever, which you're going to hear about later in the episode, uh, next episode, pardon me, I was a bit worried that if I didn't make this flight, it would throw out plans for all future journeys and potentially the hotel check-in times. Um, so, yeah, as the flight was closing, I had my passport once again checked and then went into the long queue to get through security. Security is always very messy. This was one of the, uh, again, I think it's being widely adopted in the US, but the security screening uh, technology means you don't have to take things out of your uh, bag. But of course, not everyone knows that. And I think of the fault of the airport, they don't really make it known that these these screens, you don't have to take things out. I think they really should, because then you have a problem of everyone's taking their, their um, items out and then being told to put them away. Uh, it just, it slows down the process overall. I think definitely having a sign up somewhere rather than just shouting once every five minutes, don't take anything out. Uh, because naturally the process is usually to take your items out, like your technology, take your shoes off and, and such. Uh, by the time I'd made it through security, I thankfully did not get stopped at uh, the bomb checking place, the additional security checks. Normally I do. So this means that while it was on final call, uh, I was hightailing it across the entire airport. Uh, at this point, I'm pretty tired. I'd been on the go, I think, almost 20 hours. So uh, and given this was only like the second flight of six, um, <laughs> I definitely wasn't in the mood to be running. I probably would have just rather, you know, hijacked a cart and just driven to the gate. Not possible though. Uh, so in turn, I was taking those uh, little, are they escalators, travelators that run through the airport, which are very, very helpful. Um, but then of course you deal with the people that are blocking the way and you have to get through with them. It just feels like one after the other in terms of racing to the gate, something is going wrong. Um, in the end though, I did make it to the uh, flight desk. No one was there except one woman. I said to her, look, is this the flight to Newark? She said, yes. I said, are you guys still boarding? She said, yes. Like, get on. You're the last one. And I was like, oh my God. So I was the last one on the plane in the end. Um, But I was absolutely exhausted by the time I had made it on the aircraft and was in dire need of some water. I actually really wanted to have a look at San Francisco Airport. That's something I enjoy doing. I very much enjoy just walking around a new airport that I've never been to. There was no time to do that for San Francisco. Uh, I know the plane spotting there is very nice, so maybe at some point in my life I'll be able to make the trek over there for some spotting, and then I'll have the opportunity to actually um, see the airport itself rather than at a uh, rapid speed as I'm trying to like jog and run through the airport, which is not is is quite difficult with a heavy backpack. I, I would I would not recommend if you can avoid it. Uh, boarding the seven five seven, I think the immediate realization was from an aviation perspective of just I can't believe I'm on this aircraft. Very very exciting to be able to 
being on a 757. Um, if you didn't know, I've never flown on a 757 before. So uh, being an aviation geek, it's it's something I've always wanted to tick off. However, being located in Australia, you may be aware that 757s are not very accessible. In fact, probably the best option is going to the United States. Um, and I would never just fly the, to the United States to get on a 757. That's, that's a, a lot of wasted money. But if I could incorporate a 757 into my travels somewhere, um, whether it be to Canada or for something for work, then it's something I was very, very interested in doing. And uh, this was an opportunity I was able to have. It didn't come about easily, I I, I should mention. This is because um, my initial flight was on a 757. The aircraft then got switched to the 777. However, the, the gods worked in my favor uh, as I had some issues with that booking and had to cancel it. And I rebooked a few days earlier and ensured that I was on a 757. A lot of space on the aircraft, uh, which was obviously a, a very, very nice. Uh, an incredible seat. Um, I think it's maybe enhanced by the middle seat being free. Uh, obviously, a 3-3 configuration. Uh, there was someone on the aisle and I was on the window, but no one was in the middle. So, I didn't feel as cramped as on 787. That just generally being said, I just think there's something about older aircraft that makes them stand out. I don't know what it is, uh, whether they're more worn in, um, but I always find flying on these older aircraft to be more comfortable. Uh, that's not to say that the ride experience is as comfortable. Uh, the 787 definitely feels a lot smoother alongside the 350, but in terms of seat comfort, there's just something about the 757. Um, I think also maybe coming to the realization that my recline on this seat actually worked, unlike the 787, that may have been a contributing factor. But I think also just being on a 757 left me thrilled and enjoying every single moment. Um, in terms of service on board the aircraft and United Airlines, it is non-existent. Um, I'm not too sure what it's like on other US carriers domestically because I've this is the first time I've actually flown. Uh, let me just double check. This is the first time I've flown um, internally in the US. Normally, it's either out of the US or into the US from Canada or another country. So this is my first like US domestic flight and it is they are quite expensive to fly with United um, and to see like basically no service, just uh, half a, a little disposable cup of a drink you want um, unless you want to pay $30 for a meal. I found interesting um, considering their price point in comparison to other carriers. Uh, I would put Air Canada on par with United in terms of cost, at least for the services that I've looked at and um it's very clear that Air Canada definitely goes a mile above in terms of their overall food service, even if they just give you, what is it? I think it's, it would be, ooh, I've forgotten the name, uh, something something of a snack. And I mean, taking a look at Qantas, these flights are far less time. Obviously, they are more of the higher price point. However, in saying that, they will feed you a, a wrap or a, a drink or some kind of uh, a breakfast wrap, a lunch wrap. So look, I just I find it interesting to compare the airlines, um, also geographically as well, to take a look at the differences between uh, what an Australian carrier offers for their price point, with a very similar business model to United being a full service. So uh, very interesting. I think the the main takeaway is um, you might as well just fly low cost if possible. If there are any options or alternatives, it may be a little bit harder to get in and out of there for the primary airports because you do just have your big three there, but. Uh, if you're looking for a better service point, I think that United, in that case, 
in what they provide doesn't really offer anything all that special, and that's just my personal opinion. I've not had the chance to fly many other US carriers, obviously, internally in the US. Maybe that's something with time I can try and then be able to properly compare it. Uh, so that all I can really do is compare it with, say, Air Canada and Qantas, and that's always one of the main differences I find. The 757's cabin is naturally very dated, but that's just what makes it more of an experience. Um, that being said, of course, you would always want like a bigger IFE. I did actually take the time to uh, utilize the IFE, which was something I never do if you listen to the podcasts. Normally, I just try and watch something on my phone. Uh, if there's Wi-Fi, I'm covering the flight for work. Uh, or if it's just a very cramped flight, I'll just try and do my own thing. But normally, I don't use the IFE. I'm just not the biggest fan. But this time I did. I tuned into Bullet Train. Uh, just it looked like a, a decent enough movie. Was pleasantly surprised. I actually enjoyed watching it. Uh, yeah, this podcast is not really a movie or TV show review uh, podcast. But look, uh, it gives you the uh, opportunity to hear my thoughts on the entire experience uh, at one point, I did go to the toilet um, after, this is just after departure. Unfortunately, I did get stuck between the service cart and I was more towards the, the, the front of the plane. So it did mean that I was stood standing up <laughs> like 30 minutes, unable to get to my seat. It definitely helped uh, pass the time. Um, but given it being a single aisle, I think that presented one of the biggest challenges with these a single aisle aircraft. Um, of course, the 757 is iconic. It's a workhorse. It's the epitome of what a lot of people love about flying, but it's not uh, the aircraft of the future, like an A321LR or the up-and-coming XLR. Uh, these both being single aisle aircraft with fantastic range capabilities and airlines that are adopting these aircraft are putting them on long-distance journeys, whether that be with the XLR from Central Europe to North America or generally transatlantic journeys. Um, and again, I just think that's that always presents that debate of, look, are you going to go single aisle or wide body? Generally speaking, for 98% of the people that book flights, they're not really concerned about a single aisle or a, 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 a um, pardon me, a, a wide body aircraft, as they simply do not understand the difference in, say, aircraft types. They just book the cheapest alternative. However, for the people that do take a little bit uh, more of a look into the the comfortable nature of a journey, um, I think I always will prefer a wide body on these flights. Single aisle, while I don't normally get out of my seat, it just presents many challenges for people that need to go to the bathroom where they have to go to one end or the other. Then they get stuck. Then people can't get past. You're stuck in the galley. You're cramping the crew because the crew have no space. For, for short journeys, that's perfectly fine. But I think for long journeys, um, it presents its issues from a passenger perspective. Now, in saying that, and I think interestingly enough, the benefits overall to the airline um, over someone's someone being comfortable far exceed. Do you know what I mean? So the costs associated with the savings that they'll see um, and the benefits with a twin engine single aisle on these services are, are definitely uh, featured, uh, definitely, pardon me, highlighted. So it means that, yeah, uh, they'll always go for that option. It's just from a passenger perspective, I think I would always choose to go wide body um, where possible. As for the rest of the flight, quite quite a nice one. Was able to watch the sunset over the United States. I always love watching sunsets or sunrises. I typically try and position myself um, in the correct side of the plane to see the sunset or the sunrise. Just something I don't like missing out on. 
uh, arrival into Newark, given it being pretty much winter, it was pitch black. Um, so quite quite cool to be able to see all the lights. Uh, you don't really get a feel and or an understanding, I think, for how busy the airspace is around that city until, well, unless you look at flight radar or you approach at night, uh, because at night it is a different experience to arriving during the day, which is what, or arriving or departing during the day, which is what I had previously experienced. Um, it's just an incredible, incredible sight. I think I saw something like 10 to 15 different plane lights. Um, this being Thanksgiving weekend, it was also very awesome to see the banked up traffic. Uh, not so awesome for the people in the cars, but being an Australian myself, growing up, you would hear Thanksgiving mentioned on the TV in a very brief broadcast and you would see the traffic associated, but I've never actually seen that with my own eyes. So to see that, it really did look like a, a movie set. Uh, so very, very surreal experience there. Uh, on in, in addition, I guess you could say, the overall experience was heightened with the availability of Wi-Fi. Uh, always really awesome to be able to use Wi-Fi on an aircraft. There's just something about it. The fact that I can text people, I can post pictures on the plane. Uh, you just can't get over it. Uh, also, I guess a positive when you take a look at Qantas doesn't still have Wi-Fi on their international network, uh, but I can have Wi-Fi just flying in the US. Um, so definitely something I hope Qantas fixes in the... They have to with Project Sunrise. There's no way they can have 22-hour journeys without Wi-Fi. And hopefully that will eventually then roll out on their other aircraft as their international network only strengthens. Approach into Newark was smooth. However, I would say that we arrived on... I don't know what runway it is, but it's not the primary runways. Um, it's the runway where if you touch down, you're basically already at the United Terminal. I was a little bit confused, I'm not going to lie to you. My heart sort of dropped for a second where we were the only plane to land on this runway. I just thought I would mention everyone. I could track myself on flight radar, which is something else that is also very, very awesome. Um, but we were taking a complete different approach to every other aircraft. So I was like, uh, what is going on? Um, I think for a second, my heart was like, um, is there something wrong with the plane? I know there wasn't, but I, I'm not too familiar with the operations at Newark and when I have spent time around Newark uh, they were only using certain runways so for us to be the only one using the uh, alternative runway was a shock uh, it presented a great view for everyone on the left hand side of the plane however I was on the right hand side because I wanted to see the sunset and I didn't know which runway we would be landing on so to position myself for a scenic approach um, that's fine though maybe another day I'll get a scenic approach out of Newark uh, obviously, you can see the New York City skyline if you're on the left-hand side of the plane. Uh, so, next time, there's always another time for that. Arrival into Newark. Um, a bit bumpy, to be honest, in the end. Touchdown was a bit all over the place. Uh, and by the time we touched down, uh, I didn't have a connecting flight. I had a journey to the hotel. So, it was pretty interesting, and that will be in the next podcast. To conclude with this, uh, the arrival into the gate was not very smooth. Again, this is because of the staff shortages that I've mentioned throughout this podcast and look throughout all my uh, publication uh, through the DJ's Aviation publication on different networks, uh, the crisis involved with that. And uh, it did mean that there was not enough staff to get the aircraft at our gate away on time. It did mean that we were delayed and we were basically sat on the tarmac for probably 45 minutes before eventually we could get to our gate. Uh, so that didn't really impact me. Of course, so I did really want to get to the hotel, uh, get changed. Well, when I say get changed, I had no other clothes, but, uh, and I'll get into why that is. 
uh, but just definitely have a shower, get something to eat and uh, relax. Because at this point, I hadn't been able to eat for quite some time or freshen up because of that running through San Francisco. So I was definitely excited for that hotel room. Um, But I felt also for the people that had connections and were unable to get to their aircraft or flight because of these delays. It's not anyone's fault. Uh, I have to really make mention of that. It's not like it was someone's fault for doing something. It's just the reality of the situation. And it does mean that people miss connections. And especially during Thanksgiving weekend or week, pardon me, I can uh, totally understand how that can have negative implications and be very disappointing. Credit to the crew who were kind enough to say, can we please let connecting passengers off first? Can connecting passengers make themselves known? They did. Uh, do you think connecting passengers got priority? No, of course, everyone just ran off the plane. And that is where I feel sorry for those people with connecting flights. I think that needs to be more widely adopted, having some patience and letting the people that do have their onward journeys um, the ability to get off earlier. Uh, whether the, uh, on top of that with the people that need special assistance uh, because it just seems like a race to get off the aircraft and look I'm not even just saying this from a perspective of someone that does frequently have connections uh, it's just for anyone that goes through it it's a very stressful experience and I wish there was a way we could make it more streamlined and more um, beneficial for all that's where I'm going to leave it for today's episode. Again, apologies for not getting this out um, over the weekend, but I do hope it was worth the wait and you enjoyed joining me on this journey. Um, it is snowing outside and looks to be very, very cold. So I think I'm going to wrap it up here. As mentioned regarding future podcasts, they will be interviews. I'm very excited to bring that back. I feel like it's been a while since we've had an interview release. Uh, And of course, as it always works, there were three in basically two days, which means there was a lot of prep on my end, but I'm excited to release them. I'm excited for you to listen to them. I think each definitely offer a unique uh, insider look into the industry with two being chief executives of the complete opposite kinds of companies. Um, And then one taking a look at the history of the aviation industry in a specific country with the mission of, um, drumroll, securing uh, previous aircraft and bringing them back to their home country. So with that being said, do make sure to review the podcast if you haven't already. Um, Check us or check me out on socials. I'm predominantly on Twitter. So if you'd like to catch up with the day-to-day updates, um, these travel journeys I cover live. So if you want to be a part of the experience live and interact with everyone and I'm um, interacting with people too, definitely check me out on Twitter. The Twitter is at DJs Aviation. But until then, thank you very, very much for the support on these podcasts. It's been lovely to see so many of you continue to uh, tune in. And uh, yeah, take care. And I will indeed see you next time. And a very warm welcome to your destination. Please keep your seatbelt fastened for the following. This has been the DJ's Aviation Podcast. One of the most unique podcasts on the internet. Offering up your one-stop shop for all things aviation. From news to incredible stories detailing trips worldwide. Leave a review and follow the podcast on your preferred streaming platform. For Onward Connections, check us out on Twitter at DJ's Aviation or the show notes to join our partner Discord server. See the website and more. And we'd like to thank you sincerely for listening. And we look forward to seeing you back on board shortly for another episode of the DJ's Aviation Podcast. Podcast.